Welcome to our audio podcast where opportunities meet possibility. Ladies and gentlemen, from ideator to innovator, self-starter and a partner, Daniel Levy has built a business from ideas to great success. When ideas were way ahead of its time, he thrived on problem solving, connecting the dots and putting all the pieces together. CEO, co-founder of Flow, a prop tech company that goes straight to the source of the largest social platforms in the world to match people with property, large volume and qualified leads faster and more cost effectively. He started his career as a commercial attorney before co-founding and serving as CEO of Popeye Media, Africa's largest ad tech and performance marketing company. A Facebook marketing partner, in 2015 he sold Popeye Media to French-based global communications group, Publicis, third largest communications group in the world. Daniel, it's a pleasure to have you at the table. So Daniel, take us back to how it all began with Popeye Media. I know there was a crazy story and you saw the future. Give us the story behind Popeye as a start. Sure, so uh, I started my career as a commercial attorney. I always felt that I was on the wrong side of the desk doing deals for uh, all and sundry in terms of entrepreneurs. Um, a partner of mine who, who was a, a third partner in Popeye Media came to me with a couple of ideas. Uh, the, the primary idea was wrapping rental cars and subsidizing the rental rates. Um, we forged ahead, I saw great opportunity over there. We did a deal with Tempest Car Hire and ultimately uh, went to market in 2006 and uh, heard crickets. Guys weren't prepared to uh, put their brands on rental cars. Um, And what manifested from that was survival. Uh, We took a view that uh, car rental kiosks were in these prime locations. We started to understand footprints and who was coming in and out. Um, And we went and did a deal with TomTom GPS and uh, MTN Mobile phones. Um, and basically brought them into the airport kiosks and circumvented AXA uh, rights and royalties wow. and basically started to sublet that environment as a, um, a property space. Long story short, we let that out and split the, the profits with Tempest on a five-year deal and that really started to change our lives. Um, fast forward a little bit, uh, Facebook came about. Uh, my partner's wife, Um, said you should have a look at this thing called Facebook. And so I did and I thought I'm way too private to even put anything on that. Uh, But we started digging around. Uh, My partner at the time was also an engineer um, and uh, he had worked for an engineering firm where my current partner Gil was also working, who also joined us at Popeye Media and we started to build technology within the Facebook space. Contextually, Facebook had 60 million people globally at the time. South Africa was in the top 10 of the largest uh, growing um, regions in the world. And uh, at the time, if you've seen the movie, the Facebook story, Mark Zuckerberg didn't allow advertising in the Facebook newsfeed. Gil built technology, which basically hacked that. And we were able to pull content off websites into news feeds. And wow. that became the product. It was a, a product called PR Actions, stood for Popeye Media Innovation Actions. Wow. And uh, that started 
the progression of uh, what became a massive success and basically Facebook's partner in Africa where by the time we exited that company we were the largest buyers of, of social media inventory in Africa servicing companies the length and breadth from Unilever to insurance to literally every vertical other than property. Actually. I mean interesting because you saw this revolution coming it's almost you saw this wave evolving and you you knew you had to get on to it and then what was the convincing factor because you were an extremely private person yeah. but yet you you realized that you needed to make you needed to make the move across to social media so uh, I'd like to say it was by design but it certainly wasn't I think what we really uh, understood in the former part of the business in terms of wrapping cars is that you were at the bottom of the barrel when it came to media budgets yes it was almost ambient or ancillary media and if an, if an agency had some money lying around that, that allocated to you uh, and digital was certainly becoming more prominent um, and the companies or, or digital agencies that we were working with uh, had no clue about Facebook to the extent that in our pitch when we went to see companies, the first slide was entitled, What is wow. Facebook? And the only credibility we could give to Facebook at the time is that Microsoft bought like 2.3% or something for $100 million. In, in, but in the beginning, were there analytics? No, that was really the catalyst where we saw the penny drop. We, we were cultivating data by virtue of running competitions for Samsung and MTN whenever a new phone wow. came out and there was data in terms of the competitions. And we were reporting this on the back end and we would say, geez, what could we do with this data? <laughs> and what could this mean? So we presented it in a login format where now the client could actually get access to this. And we would then start to infer, well, if, if I entered a competition, this is how many of my friends saw that I did that on Facebook right. and therefore it had organic reach. And that started to become the rhetoric that we would take to the market and the more we took it, uh, the more people became susceptible to it. The real catalyst to the inflection point in Popeye Media was we were building apps. I don't know if you remember that back in the day. That was a big thing within social media. You would build an application, it was purposeful, and then it would just fizzle out. Yeah. Um, we would go to digital agencies and they would look at us as the guys to develop that. and. They would say, well, where does the money come from? Where must we go and get the money yeah, in order to yeah. pay you to do that? And because we had the, just the, the colloquial term development, they thought, like, it's a development budget, but we deal with media. It just it, it didn't align. And my partner and I, we went to Cape Town. We were on the car train. I said, hold on. We need to align this with media so that the guy knows where to go and get the money sure, from. Sure. So the product name became Mediate and it was aligned to media and the model was a percentage of the media spend and whoever we spoke to thereafter knew exactly where to go and get the money from and they knew what the output was and we changed media buyers lives. So you, you almost um, you almost you almost dealt with that saying 50% of your market is 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 not accounted for because you don't know where you're spending your money. Yep. But now, for the first time, you could actually prove that, that every every rand that you're spending could Correct. be accounted for Correct. and could be visible on a screen. Correct. And so this that must have been the game changer. That was the game changer. And uh, Facebook naturally started evolving globally. And that, and as each... Uh, other social network was invented, Instagram, 
uh, Twitter, we integrated that all into our interface so you could effectively buy media inventory through one piece of technology. And that really became uh, exponential growth. And I mean, we're looking at the stats today, just Facebook alone, 26 million people on average uh, browsing on Facebook as, as a marketplace. Sure. I mean, sure. it tells you that that's where the market is right yeah, now, right? Well, as, as I said, globally, when they started, well, when we got involved, there were 60 million globally. When we exited Popeye, there were two and a half billion globally. So oh my gosh. We're right place, right time. Absolutely. Okay. I'd like to say it was by design, but... We, we understood it quickly and then we... But you actually did. Yeah. You absolutely did. Now, how did that evolve, obviously, once you sold into the property space? Because property space is a, is a different space. Sure. Similar nuances and similar requirements and sure. you know who your audience is to a degree. So, um, I come from a, a, a legacy property family. Um, we've always dabbled in, in property and I've run and managed property. Uh, the thing about property is it's so vast that you really got to pick your poison sure. in terms of what you're going after. Um, we took a view at the beginning or, or rather at the end of our Popeye Media journey that what are we going to do next? We obviously had a certain skill set that very few had in terms of understanding digital and social. Most companies actually don't know how to market themselves, which is the, the major Achilles heel. Uh, but in any event, uh, we took a view on flow uh, and trying to address needs of millennials. We took a view that millennials don't have a lot of money, invariably don't want to own a lot of things. Uber's around, Airbnb's around. So Just pay as you go. Yeah, there's less of an attachment. So to that end, if we could get a millennial in our environment, um, who's going to rent and invariably rent for longer, um, how could we then start to offer them different services that we could then monetize? Uh, so Flow in its initial form and function was born by virtue of being a behavioral app whereby we would reward tenants for good behavior. If you paid your, ten your, your landlord on time, reported issues, things of that nature, the app would dispense points and basically mobilize you to become a better person. And, and the commercial model was to essentially charge the landlords to deploy loyalty to their tenants. Um, in 2019, when we launched that, we got about 100,000 tenants in a very short space of time using our knowledge in our Popeye Media days. Um, ultimately, however, it was more noble in its quest than it was commercially savvy, I always say, in the sense that landlords had an aversion to want to pay to reward tenants when they had a binary agreement to right. say, I'll give you the four walls, you pay. Uh, ultimately, COVID changed that because everyone, everyone wanted to keep a tenant. Um, but ultimately, we knew that even if we killed it in this market, it wasn't a big enough market to build a big business on that basis. So we pivoted. Right. And then how, I mean, how do you find the current engagement right now when you talk to potential clients? Um, do they understand? Do they grasp? Is, there still a, yeah. is it still a bridge too far? Do you still have a, a large convincing factor that you that you need to bring people on board to? So, so good question. So I suppose as a segue to where we pivoted, um, it was uh, March 2020 where we launched a portal search functionality. We had data on tenants and, and the expirations of their leases and equally we knew the vacancy ratios inside 
product owner managed environments. Ultimately, uh, COVID hit a week later, literally, and we dodged not a bullet, but a nuke in the right. sense that the model in hindsight wouldn't have worked. But what did happen is during that lockdown period, we started phoning every estate agency in this country whom we had tried to engage 18 months prior to that. It's, it's quite a niche sector of the property market, yet right. very vast. Um, and what bubbled to the surface is that they were now trying to rally and deploy and, in, and enable their businesses to become digitally led. Yes. And we were well primed to do that. And when they started to say, well, listen, yeah, we need other channels because people aren't in cars, we were like, hold on a second. I've just come out of that world for the last 15, right. 16 right. years. We know how to get our balls. In, in, in areas where nobody else does in a very seamless way and we changed the tech and the enablement over there and that has now become front and center to the extent that notwithstanding that um, we represent by and large most estate agency big brands in this country which is testament to notwithstanding that they're all using the same tech they are competitors sure sure which which goes to show that there's a need because sure. invariably competitors don't like playing in the same environment. But if you're on Facebook, you, you're now enabling yourself to get there in a Rolls Royce version by using our technology and basically getting the best return of well, your What do you think in, in your tech space right now, which is a difficult question, but maybe something you thought of, is missing? Um, so I think there's... It's, it's one is education so there you know the, the real estate industry I always call it a bit topsy-turvy there are billions of brands of assets under management and very few people running the show when you sure. look at commercial uh, industrial things of that nature um, equally when it comes to uh, selling property it's SMEs so even an SME doesn't have the ability to have marketing departments or tech developers or things of that nature so as a result there are massive Achilles heels which you now need to stitch that all together technology invariably follows businesses where there are a multitude of people right, where right. you're now trying to create efficiencies right. in property there are no people but the people that are there, you now need to uh, upskill in so far as tech's concerned and how that can enable them. And then there's a void uh, yeah. and a, a stigma between old school and the way things need to start to change because that's the audience you're delivering to. So, but it leads to the next question. How do you educate people today? Because it's the most difficult thing to get anybody's attention. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the people watch television. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. I mean, yeah. uh, heaven forbid the, the movie is subtitled. <laughs> that throws the curveball. But, but how do you educate people today and get the information sure. to... So we, we typically always lean on uh, forward-thinking people within an industry, such as yourself and others. Uh, invariably, they always lead the charge. Uh, even if you look at the construct of estate agency offices, there's always that 80-20 rule. Yeah. You know, invariably, 20% of the top agents are bringing 80% of the revenue. Coupled with that, property as an industry suffers from fear of missing out. If you drive around, you'll see agents, faces on street pole ads, dustbins, etc. Everyone is trying to proliferate who they are and what they stand for. That has enabled us to equally play in the same environment and create that FOMO where people who want more information 
will know to follow us and equally we're trying to enable companies where we will provide the learnings they can white label it and proliferate it within their organizations um, and and globally the trend is what they call prop tech stacks so uh, big, large estate agency groups are trying to enable different mm. tech um, products that they then dispense to their uh, estate agents that they can use, be it with their own money or, or, or the office money, to ensure that they're always um, enabling themselves to be different. I understand. But are we in the revolution? Have we began the revolution? Are the platforms there? Is there more opportunity to revolutionize where we are? Or is it just comprehension? So People just need to buy in and... I think we arrived in the beginning, which is the beautiful opportunity. Wow. Um, the, the rhetoric that I was seeing in 2020 in terms of enabling the property industry to go digital was stuff I was doing literally 17, 18 years ago. Uh, you know, when people are, are are showing video clips of the stories of Motorola and Kodak and, and things of that nature of, of their demise because they didn't digitally enable themselves. Again, those are all old stories, but that's what the industry is seeing now. Number one, number two is um, if you take the venture capital vertical of prop tech, uh, over the last two years, it's been the single largest vertical of deployment of venture capital around the world, simply because property is the largest vertical in terms of asset class on the planet by country mile. There's nothing else that touches it. And invariably, the, the people that own property, be it individuals, family offices, or things of that nature, are trying to understand how their worlds could be disrupted. Sure. So they are taking their money and deploying it into um, understanding or businesses that are there to disrupt. This is only just happening now. The broker for the future, mm. um, how will he or she look like? Yeah. Broker, agent for the future, how will this technology help them? Will it replace them? Is there a place uh, for both to, to live or coexist? So we're uh, huge advocates of there will always be a need for an agent and a broker. Um, mm. we, we see trends of certain global estate agency groups that have moved the needle in so far as how an agent shares their commission structure, be it with their, mm. their franchisee office. Mm. Um, typically, that's always been 50-50. That's now moving up in favor of the agent. Mm. Uh, the agent used to look at that office of doing you know, the paperwork, the advertising, the, the um, registration mm. of the property, etc. Mm. All of that stuff's gonna be digitized meaning that the agent needs to piggyback off a good brand in order to make sure that they're top of mind. But ultimately, in terms of the execution of the work, a lot of that's gonna be digitified to right. the extent that the agent does deserve more more of the commission, but then he needs to do he more of the He needs to manage the process, so right? he needs tools in order to do that. Right. So that's where we see things going. Um, and then uh, in terms of uh, agents being replaced, if you look at the airline industry and, and uh, 
you know, yes, you can go and book your own airline ticket, but I can guarantee if you're going to go overseas and do five different transfers, you're going to use an agent. So so there's a place for everybody. Um, And ultimately, again, this industry, you've got solid agents who wake up, eat, sleep and breathe, and that is their business. And then you've got agents that moonlight. So that that then begs the question of how much they want to do this versus not. Is it a side hustle? Is it an absolute profession? Um, and those may fall by the wayside by virtue of technology. <laughs> okay, so, so agents will exist, they will coexist. Is tech going to be more expensive? Is it going to come down? Uh, is I mean, everything is a plug-in today. So there are um, technologies for every, I mean, for websites, there are technologies. It's easier to buy a plug-in than to build or to yeah. code. So so where are we going with this? When you say we're at the beginning or the, yeah. the, the foothill, um, where are we going? I mean, ultimately, if, if I use my experience from my Popeye Media days, the tech that we built, we were one of probably 40 companies in the world that did so, um, which is why we controlled Africa. That said, if I fast forward, by the time we had exited, there were certainly more than 40 companies doing that, and that obviously creates margin crunch. Um, and then price points need to come down. So to that extent, I think this industry is still in a space of um, one education, which means that price points are kind of probably a little higher in the sense of you you still need somebody to set you up, educate, do the whole thing until you're enabled to kind of take the reins and then either do it on yourself or you're going to enable somebody in your business to, to, to run and manage that. I think that's still, the, the bigger groups can certainly do that and do do that. Uh, but the moment pops and the long tail, uh, I don't think we'll get to doing that. Invariably, they want to outsource that kind of function. If tech can do that, they'll, they'll happily pay. Daniel, so in the future and where you apply your mind right now, um, where are you heading? Where are you heading with your business and where you see a gap in the market in as far as bridging uh, certain gaps? Where where are you playing right now? Because you must be thinking of as you were in the past. Yeah, so I think the the big driver for us is, look, we're a venture capital-backed business, so the the end result is certainly a global aspiration. Um, Thankfully, the, the... the problem we're trying to solve is a global problem. Yes. Agents are the same all over the world. Uh, offices uh, have the same issue invariably. Portals do dominate uh, property space in every territory around the world. Invariably, there are two or three. Uh, there's a leader, a follower, and, a, and, and the guy that's just hoping to keep up. Um, with, with portals, there's opportunity for us. Um, so we're, we're pursuing those channels both um, in various territories around the world, actually. Um, we have um, put boots on the ground in Australia. We're doing business in Spain, in India, a little bit in, in, in America. And the reason for that is um, there are global organizations that have their feelers in various territories. So sure. you speak to one and you get the details to the next the next. So we have identified various channels, if you will, um, that we are pursuing and ultimately we'll see what kind of bubbles to the top. But as a fundamental, uh, we know and understand how to, to win business, which is the core crux of waking up every day in terms of pursuing those channels. Um, and, and then the 
the, the larger distribution channels are kind of is blue sky, which where we think we can really create big inflection points in our revenues. Well, Daniel, it, it has been a pleasure chatting to you. Daniel Levy, uh, the Chief Executive Officer of Flow, an ad property tech company that is just booming right now because of the need and the requirement to integrate technology into the real estate world and into the property sector. Thank you very much Thanks, for joining Greg. us. Appreciate it. My pleasure.